Welcome to the STD, a Star Trek Discovery podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS series Star Trek Discovery. Hi, I'm Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts slash Trekkies, starting with the Who story himself, Cal Jones. How's it going, Cal? I'm doing pretty good. I can't complain. What about yourself? Man, had a long week, man. Had a long week, actually. Um, doing presentations for work, so uh, I'm coming off of a week of a bunch of studying and preparation so i'm good now but a couple days ago i was not (laughs) yeah i don't think i you know this is one of the um weeks that i can say i've talked to you the least and i can't remember when so yeah i knew you were doing something yeah other than doing the podcast with the tech story and carrie how's it going man (laughs) hey what's going on nothing much nothing much yeah other other than doing the podcast with you man i've been pretty much off the grid. So uh, what have you been up to, man? What's been going on? Uh, well, this week, not much. Just been um going through my company's AWS charges and trying to see where we can save money. <laughs> <laughs> That's been fun because their billing is so cryptic. It's like everything is just lumped together. So you don't really know what's like um yeah why why you're being billed like two thousand dollars a month extra than normal you just kind of have to sift through every line to figure it out so yeah it's been real fun yeah i always get tricky when you start looking at actual uh non-recurring more usage charges are kind of a pain to to sift through but anyway we digress uh what we do here on <laughs> what we do here on this podcast is review each episode of Star Trek Discovery in detail, in addition to talking all things Trek. But guys, there's not a show going on right now. We're in a downtime. So today we're going to be talking about the first Star Trek Discovery comic number one, The Light of Kalis. So guys, before we dive in, do you have any news or anything that you want to talk about? I don't know. Now, I don't know if I have any news, but I will say that, and this is a compliment to Star Trek Discovery, I'm actually missing the new episodes. You know, it's like I'm wanting more is my point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess I have kind of a Star Trek thing. Yeah. What you got, man? So, yeah, last week when I was in Vegas, I got to meet Brett Spiner on None Other Than Data. That's not kind of a – that's a big Star Trek thing. Uh, I'm so freaking jealous, dude. Dude is hilarious. He was like, so what's your name? And I was like, Carrie. He was like, K-E-R-R. I was like, no, K. It's like K-A-R-Y. He was like, oh, what the hell? (laughs) Okay. Nice to meet you, Carrie. Oh, dude was man. cracking. He was cracking jokes like the entire time. Like some guy, <laughs> some dude was like, um, you know the data pose where he has his like arms folded. He's oh. like, um, he's like, do do the pose, do the pose. So he like took his picture with this dude, and they both had their arms folded, and he like had his eyes like kind of like rolling. Like this dude is nuts. <laughs> like, it was so. <laughs> oh, it was so man. funny. It was so funny. Dude, lucky you, lucky you, man. So what was Mr. Spiner doing in Vegas at the AWS reInvent convention? Okay, so there's a storage company called Druva, um, and we're actually probably gonna be using them. Well, we were already talking to them before the conference, and um they basically do data storage and recovery um using AWS. And um so like their whole thing was my data is kind of a big deal. Like I have a T-shirt that says it like my data is kind of a big deal. So they had data data there um <laughs> to um promote their d- data services. 
I, I was wondering, was the placement of that shirt planned or you just happened to be wearing that when you walked up? But I was like, this is too old the nose. It, it's funny because I, I like I did not know he was going to be there, but I ended up wearing a shirt because I thought it was a cool shirt just for that day. And then I was walking around the expo floor and I saw him in the line that followed him. And I was like, wow, yeah, I need to stand in this line. Oh, dude, that is too freaking awesome, man. Oh, my God. I would just love to know how much he was, I mean, paid to be there. I mean, just to, you know, use it using the 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 tie-in with the name i would just be curious to know yeah he was i'm sure paid quite well yeah i imagine it was a pretty penny because like those companies they were throwing like um like parties and get togethers like every night i was there and there was like open bars and stuff so like i imagine he got paid a pretty pretty penny to be there ah cool beans man cool so, guys, uh, if you like the show or like the podcast, uh, please subscribe. You can do that at stdpodcast.com slash subscribe. Or please send us feedback. You can send feedback to fans at stdpodcast.com. We did get some feedback on our last episode, our Oval episode. I don't have it with me right now. And the what I got was kind of lengthy. So maybe I need to either narrate that or cut it down and paste it in later. But I do want to actually surface that feedback because we got some YouTube feedback that was pretty good. So so we'll talk about that in a future episode. But we do want to talk about two Star Trek stories that kind of came out this week. Actually, there was a third, but I don't really talk about it. Don't want to talk about it because I didn't read the details. There was a story about uh um was it Isaacs? What's the guy's first name? Captain Lorca? What's his real name? Something I Jason Isaacs. There's a story about uh <laughs> William Shatner actually blocking him on Twitter. And really? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I don't know the details because I, I was TLDR. I didn't actually click in to read the story, but like Carrie just did, I kind of laughed at it and moved on. I'm like, okay, is that just like a marketing ploy or did he really block them? But who knows? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, did they, I mean, yeah, because now I'm curious, did they get into it? Did they, I you know, was this like a, I mean, what was it? It sounds like, you know, oh, I'm the, I'm a better, I'm a better captain <laughs> than you are. <laughs> Let me see if I can find this man for I am a better captain than that you are, Denny Crane. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, this is an entertainment article. After an intense two-day social media cold war, Shatter has unblocked Jason Isaacs on Twitter. The Star Trek, <laughs> Star, the Star Trek captain standoff concluded Tuesday evening with a ceremonial, blo- ceremonial unblocking followed by a playful banner. So, um, I bet. <laughs> I bet Isaacs went all um iced tea on him. Like this woman was talking about how iced tea connect, and he told her to eat a hot bowl of these. <laughs> like I bet, I bet, I bet he said something like that to Shatner. Shatner was like, "I'm blocking you." Yeah, he probably gets it all the time. So hey, <laughs> be that as it may. So guys, have any of you seen the Black Mirror USS Callister trailer? Anybody? Anybody? I've so, read about it, but I haven't seen it. I'll be honest. So, so I'm confused. Is this the show where like the one lady's like playing all the different characters or something? No, no, no. That's no, that's orphan. No, 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 black. No, no, that's orphan black. Oh, okay. All right. I'm you, super confused now. Which is good, by the way. Yeah. Have you ever seen any Black Mirror? 
I haven't. Oh my god, dude, you do not know what you're missing. So is it like a space opera? What is it, that? What it, it is? No, 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 no. It, it is. Think a, of Twilight Zone for Netflix. Yeah, so it's like oh. a sometimes futuristic take on social media or other things. It can be in today's time or the future, but there's always a dark twist on it. And I'm telling you, dude, watch now. You'd freaking love it. Skip the first episode. Yeah. Watch that one later. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but, you don't want to see. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, is that now? Wasn't that the second season though that you're talking about, that, or was that the first first? That's first episode. That's the first first first, first episode. Yes, okay. that's why people do not watch Black Mirror because they watched that episode first, which I think yeah, is a good don't episode. Don't watch the first episode. Yep. I did too. Yeah, made you think. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, yeah, you should Especially, definitely check it out. Okay, I'm not going to say what no, I was ahead. about to say. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, guys, you, you should definitely check it out, even for the listeners out there. Check out Black Mirror. <laughs> it's on Netflix. It's freaking awesome. You should definitely watch the show. But uh, this new trailer that we, got, that we got for the upcoming season is actually kind of Orville done with a good budget and better writing, maybe. Because <laughs> it is really funny and it's really well produced. This dude looks like the Netflix version of Matt Damon. <laughs> talking about the captain yeah <laughs> especially in that USS Callister poster yeah he does kind of look like Matt Damon <laughs> yeah but anyway this is you supposed know, to be a futuristic sci-fi uh, Star Trek S show um, that episode of Black Mirror it looks really good I tell anybody out there to go and check out the trailer we'll drop the link in the show notes but but yeah I'm, I'm really excited about this I love the show Black Mirror and you know it's cool to have another space faring show out there that it, it looks really cool. It does. It's I just looked at the little trailer. It does look cool. So I'm I'm assuming this is just like a one off episode like all the others are, right? It is, but I think it's going to be feature length because you remember like in the, the first season they had on Netflix, they did had one feature, feature length episode. Feature length, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I think this one is going to be feature length as well. So I'm really excited about it. I'm curious as to what's going to be the dark twist on it. Yeah, they always have a dark twist, so uh, yeah. it's going to be really interesting. I wait with bated breath. So our next <laughs> story is about a director that Carrie loves, Quentin Tarantino, possibly also Quentin. known as the Man. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> possibly entering into the star trek fray uh what do we think about tarantino with his wild and crazy stories stepping in into the star trek fold has he ever had an established property in the movies movie sphere that he's taken on and produced the movie with do we know no but he has directed a i think he directed an episode of like csi and he's directed some tv episodes with of established properties but never like a movie yeah, and I know yeah. he even worked with JJ. Uh, I've, I've seen him actually act in the episode of Alias, and I think he may have directed that episode as well. But he's been on a couple of episodes of Alias back in the day, uh, which was good. Yeah, it was good. But I don't know how I feel about him doing a Star Trek movie. He's apparently a very big Trekkie, uh, which is good. But man, just his directing and story style is nothing like what we've seen in Star Trek so far. Well, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that can only be a good thing as far as mm. the movies are the movies are concerned. <laughs> Not necessarily. Just because you're a big fan of certain mo- you know, franchises does not make you a good director for their I mean, I gotta disagree there. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, I'll give you a good Avatar, example but- if you want. 
Are you thinking about Avatar? <laughs> you talking no, no, about no. Shyamalan? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm doing. I'm. I, I'm doing much more closer to home for me. What would that be? Oh, somebody by the name of I don't know, maybe Zack oh, Snyder. God. Oh, do not tarnish this you, podcast. What, with what that do you junk. like? What do you like that he does? Like all his movies are garbage. What are you talking about? Okay, uh, I mean that's pretty much it in a nutshell. <laughs> he's. I mean, like, like really. Now, what well, do you like about him? Why are you a fan? That's what I'm like. No, 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 okay, no, I'm, I'm, all right. My my TV just uh, came back on and it's not muted. So sorry about that. Hold on. So yeah, I'm confused. Like, what does he? What did Zack Snyder do before Watchmen? No, okay. Now well, I'm very, very curious. Well, what what he's saying is that he's a director that is a huge fan of comics, but doesn't make good movies. That that was the point that Cal was making. But Tarantino does make good movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry about that. I'm back. Yeah, uh, but Tarantino does make good movies. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not saying anything bad about Tarantino. I'm just saying just because oh the fanboys fan, uh, the fanboy aspect. Now I have no, no no problem whatsoever with Tarantino. I was just giving the example of uh, with Zack Snyder. He's crap. But anyway, keep yeah, going. He just has like this expansive directive mind because I mean like just like I just think about like his song selection in his movies. Like he he has his neck for like picking the perfect song for every scene that has music in it, and like he just has like this huge library encyclopedia esque knowledge of movies. So I feel like he could find like the perfect scenario and you know figure out the perfect style to you know deliver it. Who Tarantino? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I have no problem with him. I, you know, one thing that, that I would say he does would, you know, going back to Clarence's question about uh, has he, you know, worked with established properties before? When when you said that, Clarence, I was thinking no. But what he does is he takes other ideas and makes them established properties. Yeah, hmm. exactly. Uh, Look at Kill Bill, Kill Bill Volume Two. I've not really seen all the movies, but I, all three of us know what Kill Bill is, it's, and we know who directed it. And it's like, I'll just give you an example of like his knowledge. So the girl Gogo Yabari in Kill Bill, she was actually in the movie Battle Royale. Like he loved that movie so much, and it's a great movie if you've ever, if you've never seen it. Like he grabbed her out of that and put her in his movie because she was, you know, so good in Battle Royale. And like he just has like this huge oh, mind man. and frame of reference for stuff that like you wouldn't even like you wouldn't even think. Like, did you even know that that she was yeah, in there? You just made she was go watch Kill Bill. Yeah. I love Battle Royale. I can't remember what her. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what her name is in Battle Royale. Um, But. Like, yeah, he, like he does that with like all his movies. So like even in Kill Bill, there's a guy at the beginning where his um he plays like this cop that like, you know, because the bride gets killed and he's the one that like finds her. And he's playing like this, this campy like policeman. And then in the second movie, like that same actor is playing like this, um this uh Spanish, um like, I guess, pimp or mogul or something. He's like the guy that actually was kind of like Bill's um. Um, I don't know what you would call it. His Bill was his protege. So like in like if you see these two actors, like you you would not know that they were the same person until like unless you watch the commentary like I did and he like talks about it. It's just like all this different stuff that you wouldn't even think of that he's able to bring to the table. So I, I feel like he could definitely handle a Star Trek movie. And I hope he makes it a little campy because, you know, Star Trek at its core is pretty campy. So like I feel like he could bring all those elements to 
a Star Trek movie. Now, the recent Star Trek movies haven't really been that campy, and I don't even think the old ones were intentionally campy, but they are. Yeah, with time. So, I don't know. I feel yeah. like he could. I feel like he could blend the old with the new and make something like unique and interesting. Well, I, I think it'd be interesting. Uh, he presented his story, I guess, to JJ, and they uh, formed a writer's room to kind of uh, play with the idea and see what they can come up with. So, um, you know, I'll wait for it. It sounds interesting. This is kind of the first thing we've heard beyond Star Trek Beyond. So, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, one more thing. One more thing. Yeah. What you got? He he um he his his term was that this has to be a rated R movie, and Paramount said yes. So. It, if this goes through, it will be a rated R Star Trek movie. So more Star Trek f bombs, I guess. I'm yeah, be Captain one day. Okay. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Well, any other thoughts <laughs> on this story before we move on to the review of uh, the Light of Kalis? I'll just say I've never anticipated a Star Trek movie before, but, but now you I are am. now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this is the first one I'm worried about. <laughs> <laughs> So, guys, do we actually want to dive into the review of uh, Star Trek Discovery, The Light of Kalis? Everybody ready? Yes. Sure. Let's go for it. Let's do it. So, guys, uh, what are your just first thoughts of this without actually diving in before we play the spoilers bumper? Just what are, what are your thoughts of this as a comic property tying into the television show? Like, I'm I'm not normally a fan of American comics as has been well established, but I felt like the art direction on this was very well done. Um, I, it, it like pulled me in. Like, I felt like I was watching the episode of discovery. Um, so that's one thing that just jumped out of me. Yeah, I agree too. I, I was reading it this afternoon and, and it was one of those where, you know, I've read some doctor who adaptations or their comics and, and have not really been into them, but Carrie, I agree with what you just said. It, it drew me in and it was made me pay attention. So, yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah. Likewise, it had me from the get go, uh, the way it's tying in, which we'll get into. So, um, yeah, guys, if you have not read the book, uh, number one of Star Trek's discovery, the light of Kalis from this point on, we're going to have spoilers. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand the battle station. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. So, guys, we see that this book picks up immediately after the battle at the of the binary stars. What do we What do we think about how this ties into the actual show? I know Carrie mentioned that you particularly like that. Uh, so, so what What are some of the, the thoughts on how this actually ties in? I guess one of the things that immediately pulled me in was the guy picking his teeth with um, oh. Giorgio's um, Star Trek thing with her little. Ooh, commu- I, I guess that her badge, her communicator, like yeah. that was the first thing that jumped out at me. <laughs> that had me like, what the what, man? Just a pile of bones and blood, and yeah, they I, ate her. <laughs> yeah, I was really like, wow. But didn't we hear in Star Trek Discovery proper that? Actually, it was cold that ate her. It seems like what I I remember hearing is that incorrect. Yeah, that's that's what he he talked about eating her. So yeah, that was a continuity error. But it it makes more sense that one of his um one of um what is his name Vok one of Vok's lackeys would have been the one to eat her instead of cold because he didn't actually come to the ship till much later. So this yeah. makes more sense. 
Yes, it does. And it could have just been, um, you know, he could have just been bragging because think about it. They're all about their honor. And does that not give you extra honor to say, you know, I ate the, you know, the, you know, the person that broke in and et cetera and so forth. So he could have been lying is my point. Yeah, yeah it, I felt like he was kind of maybe digging at her because she's like, I killed Takuma. So he's like maybe trying to, you know, jostle her a little bit. Bingo. Yep. Yeah. And plus, Klingons in general are known for their tales of grandeur uh, and, and, and uh, having great battles and, and doing these great things as part of their culture. So, yeah, I can see him telling a little white one there and, uh, and, and uh, getting her riled up a bit. And the other thing that jumped out at me was like the little boxes is translated from Klingon. Like as soon as I saw that, I started <laughs> I started hearing these people their dialogue. I started hearing it yeah, in like the yeah yeah yeah. That so, was kind of interesting to to actually be reading words <laughs> now. <I> mean, <laughs> yeah, which we had to read in the television show. So why is it any different? <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. Yeah, but you know what? I was sitting here looking at a couple of pages. At least they didn't do this. At least they didn't put the, you know, the Klingon, um, you know, the actual symbols that are, that's oh. the Klingon language in there and then did translations down at the bottom. At least they didn't do that. Oh, that would have been, yeah, that would have been a little much. <laughs> yeah, it would have. So we kind of get the picture of the, I mean, immediately following the Battle of the Binary Stars, we see the sarcophagus ship stranded. In the binary cluster there, and you know, of course, we see Giorgio's remains getting um, decimated, and Valk is like, "Guys, get the work." You know, we know that they, we know that they are stranded out here six months. We already know that from the show, so we see where he is just starting the process with these guys to get things in order so we can get the heck out of here. I, I was always weirded out by how they kind of got abandoned even in the show i was like why did they get abandoned why did people just why did the rest of the klingons just leave them out there i really never understood that yeah mm. it, it's funny that like that's one of the things that bother me about the show because takuma you know apparently like reunites all these houses and then after the battle they just scatter again just... yeah but, but see he... i didn't go ahead I was going to say, but he does die, so maybe that's why. he. Maybe he was the glue that was holding everything together, and when he died, it just kind of fell apart. So did we already know? I think we did, but refresh my memory here. Did we already know that, uh, you know, his, um, what is it, Vok, um, that he had been named Takumba's successor? Had had that already happened at yep. this point? Okay. Yeah, he, named, so, he had already named him. Yeah. See, I always thought whenever I saw them get left, I thought of it more of a power play in a sense of, well, you know, we're we're not claiming you. You're an outcast anyway. Takumba is gone. He's dead. We're leaving you out here to die so we don't have to deal with you. Well, I think that's part of it. But, you know, he he was the one that actually lit the beacon because nobody else wanted to do it. So that's why Takumba named him his successor. But maybe the other houses, like you said, it's like, why is this commoner? We're not going to let this commoner lead us. So, you know, bye. So that I, I'm sure they had a lot to do with it. And if any other things that are going on with the episode are what's going on in the episode, then that is a doorway to explain how certain events might have happened having this six month time that they were supposed to be left out there. Yeah. If that's true. 
Yeah, I mean, Carrie, you mentioned uh, Takumba thinking he's not worthy or whatever. We see where Laurel tries to, you know, pep him up, you know, because he's like, I'm just a simple Klingon. You know, how am I supposed to live up to the great Takuma? And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And, you know, again, this made me ask, where is Vok? Where is he? (laughs) (laughs) They They keep bringing him up. They keep mentioning him, but he's nowhere to be found. We have our theories, but, you know, hopefully the second half of the season, we'll find out what happened to Buck officially. Well, and I'm wondering even will we get hints of that in the comic is kind of that was kind of my hope, you know, not in the first one, of course. But I hope at some point we'll start to get hints. You know, if we don't get it in season proper by a certain amount of time, it would be cool if they started to kind of sprinkle these things into the comics. I think would be really cool. Yeah. I'm wondering maybe if we if we might not, because this may be a three or four issue, you know, series. And if so, by the time uh, if it's a monthly series, by the time these three or four issues to get the story that we're seeing out of the way, then it would be right at the finale time. Yeah. And for me personally, I feel like this is more of a intro to the the backstory of Takuma more than it is like a story about Vok. And I hope that it continues as a backstory to, to, to Kuma because it's really, really interesting. Like I want to see um him at the monastery and like the things he learned and stuff. So it'd be really interesting to see where they take it. Agreed. Yeah. So, so we see when we get back to Konos and we see that, uh, Takuma is in a bit of trouble. Not really trouble, more <laughs> of an initiation type thing. You know, his, and it seems something that's very, um, a very Klingon thing to initiate their, your brothers to get them ready to be a Klingon and all the fierceness that, that, uh, entails. So what do we think about this scene where we see Takuma trying, pretty much just getting beat up and, and running for the woods? <laughs> There's no well, order for- that, is it? Yeah, the first thing I thought was, dang, Takuma's dad was on it. Like, how many brothers and sisters does he have? (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) Got a battalion. Yeah, it makes me wonder, Is does brothers and sisters in Klingon culture mean strictly brothers and sisters? It doesn't mean, like, cousins or anybody that's in your immediate house. I I don't know. But, yeah, like you say, he does. He has quite a few, (laughs) to say the least. Yeah. It's really yeah, interesting I, as far as like, you know, well, he, he runs away from them into the woods and that makes him look like a wimp. But then his brothers don't follow him and that makes them look even wimpier. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Ooh, the scary forest. Now, what I do find funny is that this huge sarcophagus ship can be sitting out here beyond the woods <laughs> and pretty much nobody knows is out there or at least. He has no idea, which I find it just extremely strange that he wouldn't know a huge ship is out there when uh, so his his house is a spacefaring part of the Klingon culture. Or maybe they just stay in their little family. I don't know. But it would seem that they would know this ship is sitting out there. Well, okay, so how old do you think he was at this time? So about what? Maybe 10, teenager? 12 years old? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I said 12, 13, maybe. Okay. So I would think he would be adventurous enough by then to, you know, be going into the wood. And maybe he, but I was going to say, maybe he's been in the woods before, but then that takes away from him not having seen the ship before. So. 
Well, the way I the I don't really think about it too much because I kind of got like a Lion King vibe from this. Whereas like they're a noble house, quote unquote, and they have their like their kingdom, and this is kind of like the Outlands where they don't go just because you know it's either it's not really their territory or it's just where you know like there's nothing out there. You know, yeah. it's like the the it's like a wasteland. So not necessarily that they that he wouldn't know it was there, but it was just an area where, you know, people of his house don't go just because either it's dangerous or because, you know, it's just cursed or something. I don't know. Like his brothers all being afraid to go into the woods was really telling for me. So this is definitely probably a dangerous or like I said, some outland that they just don't go, you know, like ghost stories or of, of, I don't know, monsters or whatever that they were told when they were kids, just don't go there or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I definitely can get that, but it seems like from the book, other than the brother, not wanting to enter into the forest, they didn't really, they didn't really make it seem like it was so bad to go there, you know, or they didn't make it seem like it was a long journey through the forest. It just seems like he was in there and then, Oh, I turned the corner and there was a ship. You know, right? Exactly. But, I mean, yeah, I got the same feeling there. Yeah, but I do get it's a comic book, and you can't waste pages just to show him journeying through the forest. So <laughs> maybe a um, annotation or something at the top to say after wandering two hours through the woods or something. Maybe would have made it a little more believable in that sense. Yeah, it just I agree with you. It's sort of like you know you're standing there and and you're looking and not seeing the thing that's right there in front of you, and then look and say, oh look, there it is. So yeah. <laughs> But I mean, if you think about it, he's definitely traveled a pretty long distance because if you look in the panel or the sarcophagus where he finds it, there's a, there are like no trees or anything. It's just like nothing out there. So he's definitely going to the other side of the woods or forest or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I get that. So what do we think about him finding his sister? And I may pronounce this wrong. Jeola? 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 Maybe? Jeola? Jeola? I, I was thinking Ju- I was saying it was supposed to be Julia without the extra, so it's Jula. 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 It seems like they try to pronounce the first letter, especially in Discovery, pronounce the first letter and then the rest of the name. Like Jula. Like yeah. Laurel. Jula. Takuma. So I, I don't know. Jaula. Jaula. <laughs> Whatever, Whatever it is. <laughs> oh, big sister. Well, well, first thing I thought was, dang, he's got another sibling. <laughs> <laughs> Again, daddy gets around. <laughs> but you know i was not you know I, I was paying less at the you know sister than saying whoever drew this particular issue they did a very good recreation of the uh i, I don't want to i don't know if this is the star deck or whatever you want to call it but the control room maybe that we've been seeing on the klingon ships this looks like the control room on the Klingon ship. So they did a very good job of that. Yeah. And the lighting on that panel is just really cool. And it's like, wow, this is where Takuma fought. I mean, where, um, uh, where Michael fought Takuma in that same little area. So I thought that was really cool. Yep. Yeah. And, and what jumped out to me about this scene is just the utter, um, condition the sarcophagus sarcophagus ship is in at this point it is in it looks like crap (laughs) (laughs) it is in no kind of good working order from the looks of it and from this panel we start to see uh where they're actually working on it and 
you know, again, many years later in discovery, we see where this is how it, you know, the work started to get it back in shape because we did see a scene in discovery where it was marooned in the same position for, for a few, a brief flashback. So it's cool to kind of dive in here to that same point and to see them kind of work on it a, a little bit. Agreed. And didn't we see him getting bullied? See Takuma getting bullied in Discovery as well, if I'm remembering correctly, on the same ship? Mm, um, yeah, I think there were some flashbacks, yeah. See, now this is making me want to go back and watch you know, the first couple of episodes to s- see if how well this particular issue tied in. And obviously, you know, if it's a Star Trek, you know, approved and produced uh even if it is idw that's the publisher you know they're going to be faithful to what's going on with the story obviously from what we've seen but i want to see what other things that they've done that kind of tie in yeah and and like just to move on a little bit like one thing that really jumped out of me of of the whole scenes with the sister uh joella and and moving forward is that you know this young lad of, of we've said between 10 and 13, somewhere in there, <laughs> he thinks their house is respected and awesome, but in actuality, they're kind of a tarnished house. His dad has died. His uncle is took over and it, their house is pretty much in shambles. Um, very unclingon. Like there's no honor in their house. And, and, and Joel is kind of like, you know, He's leading us in a dark path and we're here and we're going to change things. Yeah. And I also got, I thought that was pretty cool because they even mentioned that. Um, I think it's when, um, what is the guy's name? The Klingon that takes over his people. Oh, I can't, I forget his name. Uh, Cole. Um, yeah, Cole. Like when they, when he had on that, those first few episodes, when he talks to him over the hologram graph, whatever the communicator, um, he mentions how their house is not really a house anymore, and yeah. it's just you—you you kind of get it illustrated here a little more. Yeah, 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 I agree. I was thinking that too. Yeah, and it's really cool to see here, especially in Discovery proper. We see where we see where Takuma is this heartened, you know, very convicted leader, and we're seeing here where you know he's a little runt. He doesn't even know how to fight, and we see where. <laughs> Um, what is it, Kale teaching him how to fight, which we later learned they didn't really say it specifically in this book, but it was kind of inferred they're the only two albino Klingons out there that that we see Kale's son, and I'm thinking that's Vok, and I don't think they say it specifically in this book, but I'm I'm taking it that that's Vok. Did you guys get that same feeling? Yeah. See, I didn't, but I'm not saying it, it wasn't. I just uh, I just didn't notice it for some reason i was thinking this kid was a little bit older it looked a little bit older and that's that's why i didn't think so but i'm not saying he wasn't yeah yeah i mean we don't know for sure because i don't think it ever outright says it that's just me thinking you know they're a similar age maybe um but i could be totally wrong on that that would be cool though if it was yeah yeah but the only thing though is i took it and maybe this is why i did not pick up on that or think that was I was taking the way it segued from, you know, the current where they're being uh, Laurel and he are, you know, stranded on the ship as a segue into the past to tell him something. So therefore, if he was back there with him in the past, 
why are you telling me this story? Because you should have already known it. Yeah, actually, Kale, Kale is the younger one. His father was the one really doing the sarcophagus. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Well, wow. Yes, we were totally wrong. <laughs> I was totally wrong on that. Yeah, Kale is the younger one. Yeah, totally right. But we do see in Discovery where the where where Vok does show up on the sarcophagus ship on on Konos. We see where he comes in and saves Sakuma at one point. So we do know he's there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, definitely true, true. Huh? Yeah, I totally read that scene totally wrong. Yeah, that is that is definitely that is definitely Kale, uh, Kale as the younger one there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I guess another thing that made me think it may have been him is because we mentioned, and I'm guessing this word Takuma is going to have such a reverence for the dead is he's going to form this relationship with Kale. And we see where Kale, I guess Kale's father, now that you mention it, is the, I guess, entomber or whatever you call Undertaker. it. Undertaker. Undertaker. Oh, you just wanted to get that one out, didn't you? Yes, I did. <laughs> the Undertaker. The Undertaker. Wrestling guy. And um, I'm I'm thinking this is where Takuma gets his reverence mm. for the dead in the Sakafka sh- ship. And at this point, I don't even know really if it is a Sakafka ship already, or is they're going to just make it into one because it doesn't really look like it is yeah, one right now. That's true. He may, you know, that may be something that he takes on. And and another thing I thought about was when you got me thinking about like where Vok could be. Um, in the show, Takuma's. He appears to be quite old, like really old. So it yeah. could be that Kale's maybe like a little toddler right now or a little baby. I mean, not Kale, Vok. He could be like a lot younger, you know? Yeah. And if, and if Takumbo is really, really old, he could also be, uh, Kale's son. That's true. Yeah. Because I yeah, mean, good look, point. Good point. Because look at Kale's father and, um, Vok doesn't look that old. Like Takumbo looks older than that and Vok looks pretty young. Yeah. I mean, as far as like Klingon features, so he's definitely younger than Takuma. Yeah, a- another few takeaways from from this book is I thought it's pretty cool that 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 Takuma was actually going to study in this um what do they call it? You talking oh, about the monastery? Yeah, the monastery. Yeah. I can't remember I can't remember what they call it exactly. Borath or Borath. Or- yeah, Borath. That's what they called it, yeah. I found it really cool that he's going over there to get proper training only because his sister mentioned it to him and he said it in just as far, kind of as a throwaway thing. And then uncle was like, Oh, I'm going to send you there. And that's kind of, we know that's a trajectory that helps him later on because he learned so much stuff from going there, at least I'm assuming. So I, I thought that was really cool as well. All right. So I got a question for you guys. Did you, did, did you get like a take since Clarence, you mentioned the uncle? You know, we keep going back to talking about, uh, the pride and the honor of the houses. You know, it seems like the uncle took the house and made it more about how much, how good do I look? How much money do, how rich am I? Not as in the honor of it, but in the presentation of, wealth and glitz and kind of was a little bit shallow did you was that just me reading that or did you, did you guys feel get that too yeah i, I got it as well yeah me too cool. and I, i'm i'm uh, i'm i'm still trying to pinpoint what specifically was done besides the finances because they mentioned that they built this sarcophagus ship but never were able to use it because the war cause, because of something that happened i'm assuming it's monetary 
something that happened that allowed them not to be a part of the war. So I just felt like they it 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 like what I got from it was that they spent so much money on the ship that they went broke. Oh, um, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Right? Huh? Okay. Well, I think we pretty much <laughs> exhausted <laughs> these few pages. It wasn't a whole lot in here. Um. But but it was some good stuff, some good stuff. And again, like from the beginning that, you know, I say this a lot, but that gut wrenching third panel where we see, you know, uh, Giorgio's remains being uh, decimated. Um, yeah, I really quite enjoyed it. <laughs> you know, what's really funny is I'm, I, I, I usually take pride of picking up little things and I didn't even get that. And I see it now after you two pointed out pointed it out to me, but I didn't get that whenever I was reading it. And I mean, I totally just you know didn't either. I wasn't paying attention or what, but I totally didn't get it. Yeah, man, my jaw was dropped from that first scene. I was like, "What?" You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't think it ever got back to that point, but it was some good stuff in there. <laughs> so we see where uh, Takuma is on Borath by the end of the book, and I guess in the next adventure we will pick up from there. Um, so I guess it's a book a month. So we may get one in January or I don't, I don't know. Do we know when the next one's coming out? No, it's... but I'll see if it says on the end. Uh, <laughs> nope. It doesn't say on the end. I will say I'm surprised by the amount of Star Trek comic books that are out there because there are quite a freaking few that are out there. So I may have to dive into more, but kind of staying on this discovery train. Because I'm enjoying it. So, guys, I guess we'll wrap. Uh, unless any of you have any other comments about the comic book before we uh, kind of wrap things up. Anything, guys? No. I was trying to find when the next uh, comic well, it was says, out. It says we've got more great trick tales coming your way next month. So, uh, I think so, it's going to be monthly. Hey, I bet it's in January. <laughs> 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 Sorry. We'll be knee-deep in discovery. The real discovery. Well, this is the real one, too, but you know what I mean. What have you guys been working on? Uh, what you been up to? Anything you want to plug? Podcast related or not? Carrie, what you got? Well, um, Techpedition is going weekly, and we'll start with season three on January. Um, I want to try to do something you know, cool, maybe do a contest or something to kick off the new year, but we'll see. I don't know. We'll let it marinate a little bit, figure something out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's going to be fun, man. I can't wait to kick off season three. Maybe, you know, like you said, tweak a few things, do the contest. Um, I want to do album art with Techpedition, too, but I don't know. I'm still still thinking about how I'm going to do that. But, you know, it's going to be fun to start a new season. We're diving a bit more on the tech side of things going forward. You know, we're going to still talk about other stuff that we like that's in popular culture, but definitely going to be diving into the tech side of things. And guys, if you want to find out more about that, you can go to Techpedition dot com. Cal Jones, what you got, man? All right. Well, I have uh, this week and I, Lee and I did a review for discussing who for from the 1985 uh, serial, The Two Doctors. It was the last appearance of the second doctor. And you and I last week did a review of the name of the doctor. And are you, you and I ready to talk about what we're going to be doing in January? Yeah, let's let's uh, make the formal announcement. Might as well do that. Yeah. So um, in January, Discussing Who will also be going weekly. And Clarence and I will also be launching 
another podcast called Discussing Comics, which is basically separating Discussing Who, the other things that we were doing on Discussing Who, and putting them into their own podcast. So, yes, exciting. So we'll be doing uh, Discussing Who weekly, uh, Discussing Comics. We're not sure yet. We hadn't actually talked about the schedule on that yet, but it will start in January. Yeah, yeah. I'm seeing a reoccurring theme here. Focus, focus, focus. Awesome, (laughs) awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, exciting. Yeah, and you guys, if you want to find out more about that podcast, you can go to discussingwho.com and in the future, discussingcomics.com. Yep. So, guys, if you want to know more about this podcast or or listen to more episodes, uh, actually subscribe to us. You can do that by going to stdpodcast.com slash subscribe. We're on every platform. So subscribe there, please. And send us some feedback if you would like. We really like hearing what you guys have to say. Tell us how we're wrong. And, uh, yeah, guys, uh, just thank you for joining. And uh, until next time, live long and prosper. Thank you for listening to the STD Podcast. For more information, go to stdpodcast.com slash subscribe.